0: One of the things I like about Long Island is that a lot of the pastors on Long Island have good friendships. I think that's so cool. And so I'm friends with a lot of different pastors from different places, and Joey and Andrew and some of the other guys on staff. And so I have some friends that have had some really cool experiences. Experiences I kind of sort of am jealous of, if I'm completely honest. My buddy Brian McMillan, who's the lead pastor at Centerpoint Church in Nassau County, actually got to do a Mets chapel. like I just think that's the coolest thing in the whole world. Got to go to Citi Field and do a chapel for the Mets. So he's hanging out with Daniel Murphy and Zach Wheeler and these other guys, which is just the coolest thing in the world. And so... I actually, this past weekend, was given some tickets by a great friend to take my son Cade to go to the Yankee-Met game, and so we were sitting in the best seats I'll ever be in, guaranteed. It was, like, amazing. It was awesome. I'm so thankful for that opportunity, but I can tell you this. My experience is way different than my buddy Brian's, right? I'm out there, you know, looking with 50,000 other people, and he's hanging out in the locker room with these guys just chilling. It's a completely different experience, okay? I have another friend named Todd, and he's the pastor of the Point Church in Nassau County. And he has become good friends with the guitar player of my all-time favorite band, Striper, okay? And so he's all buddy-buddy with this guy, Oz Fox, and this guy calls my buddy Todd his pastor. And I'm like, I hate you, Todd. Right? It's just so cool, right? And so that's awesome. You have to praise God for his experience that I don't have. Um, and, then, and then my buddy Bert is uh, the lead pastor at True North, and Bert, several years ago, was helping out at a conference down south, and his buddy that was running the conference said, hey, I need you to go to the airport and pick somebody up. And so he goes, oh yeah, sure, I'll go. He goes, who is it? And he says, oh, it's Andy Stanley. And so some of you guys may not know who that is, but as a pastor, that's somebody, that's just, he's a great (laughs) communicator, the opposite of that, great communicator, Uh, he's a great leader, and uh, he's really influenced us around here. And so my buddy Bert's like texting me, like, I'm going to pick up Andy Stanley, like, I despise you, you know, I mean, just so cool. And so... I'm going to a conference next week with some of the guys around here. We're going to be in the room with Andy Stanley, but with like 10,000 other people, okay? My buddy's driving with him, and they're talking, and he's picking his brain about ministry stuff. And so you have all these guys who have these really awesome experiences, and I basically just bring them up to say how much I despise these guys. No, I'm kidding. Praise God so much for their experiences that I wish I had. But, But I'll tell you what, these guys have been in the locker room, They've been backstage, they've been you know, one-on-one in the car talking with these guys, and maybe you kind of feel like that's sort of like you and God. Like you're looking around at people, and you're kind of jealous of them, just like I'm kind of jealous of these guys. You're looking at them going, it feels like they're like hanging out backstage with God, and I'm out front with all the fans just kind of wanting to get close. You know what I mean? It may feel like, you know, they're, they're hanging out back in the locker room with God, you know, just one-on-one time. And they're real close and they got this, all thing, this whole thing happening and they're together and they're communicating back and forth. Everything's clear. And you and I are out with like 50,000 people, you know, looking through our binoculars just trying to get a view of God. Maybe that's what you feel like. And so that's why we're doing this, this series called Experience because we don't want anybody to feel like they're looking through binoculars at God. We, want, we, we believe everybody should be backstage with God. Everybody should be hanging out in the locker room with God. Everyone should have that close connection with God. And so that's what this series has been about. And we've been seeing that experiencing God happens in different ways. People sometimes just have a great peace or joy that God gives. Sometimes he answers prayer. Sometimes he puts relationships back together. He does so many different things and there are some of us in the room that have experienced God a lot and I want to encourage you to keep on believing and experiencing for more or or, or looking to him for more experiences and there are some of us that really would say I haven't experienced God in a long time I did a while ago but it's just been a while and I would love to have something up to date and then there may be some of you guys here tonight that are saying I don't know if God's even there or I believe in God but I don't know if an experience with him is possible. I've seen other people have them. I wish I could have them, but I'm just not sure that's going to happen for me. And so no matter where you find yourself, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want this series to kind of pique our interest and push us toward an encounter with this awesome God. And so we found that experiencing God is vital for people who are trying to center their lives around Jesus. And so if you're like, hey, I want my life to be about Jesus, then experiencing God has got to be a part of that. We've been talking about a couple different things. Really the reason why experiencing God is so important so far. We've done two weeks so far. The first week we saw that experiencing God reminds us that God's powerful and awesome. And we need that, don't we? We need to remember that just in day-to-day life. That God is huge and he can do anything and he loves us and he's close and he's present and he's near. And then last week we saw that experiencing God inspires us to live for God. And so here we are so often just trying to do the right thing, and we're trying to keep the rules because we should, or because we're, we're tired of the pain and the consequences of not doing the right thing. But man, nothing, or maybe I shouldn't say nothing, but one of the things that inspires us the most to live for God is when you and I experience him for ourselves, and we see how good he is, and then we just say, God, I want to live for you. I want to be close to you. And so tonight, we're going to continue to talk about why these experiences with God are so Important and tonight I want you to see the link between experiencing God and reaching other people for God. You see, about a month ago, I did a message talking about how much Jesus loves people who don't know him yet. And I tried to encourage you and inspire you to also love people who don't know him yet in that same way. And maybe you walked out of the room that day saying, Doug, I'm not good at that, I'm not good at reaching people. Jesus. I'm not good at helping people understand who God is. I, I don't know what to say. I feel all funny. I know I'm imperfect, and I know that people might look at me and think I'm a hypocrite. I might not have all the answers. Maybe I can't explain all the theological stuff. And so, Doug, isn't that why we have you and Joey and Andrew and Pastor and community group leaders and all them? Aren't they supposed to do all that? No, see, every one of us is supposed to reach people for God. And I'll tell you what, what if the key to reaching people? For God is actually an experience with God well how does that work why would an experience with God make you more inspired to reach people for God because I know something about every single one of you in this room is true about me too when we experience something great we tell people about it right we tell everybody about it and so if you've eaten at a great new restaurant recently you told somebody about it or you said you've got to have this experience too if you are like an art person, you went to a museum recently in the city and you were like, yo, I found this amazing piece. Go to this museum. Go to this floor in that museum and check that piece of art out. It's incredible. Some of you guys are like, hey, I recently jumped out of an airplane and it was the coolest experience I've ever had. I never will, but you may have fun with that. But you know what? You've told somebody about that. You've, you've talked about that, you know. Um, it might be a, a, a place you you hung out, and just, man, it was such a great experience, we went on a hike, or we went to this certain park, or I saw a certain movie, or I saw a certain band, and man, you're telling people about these experiences, some of you guys have told people you've tried on the Apple Watch, right, some of you guys went in there, and you tried that thing on, you're looking at it going, I know this thing's probably going to become self-aware, and send the Terminators after me, but I'm going to do it anyway, right, because it's either the the Terminators or the zombies are going to get us, and I think I'd rather the Terminators get me personally, okay, and so I'm going for the Apple Watch, not really, but, um, so, so whatever your great experience has been, you've probably told some people about it. And I have to believe, guys, the same is true with God. That when you and I experience God, there is something in us that goes, i got to tell people about this. i got to tell people about what he's done in my life. I can't believe that he showed up like this. And, man, this is just so amazing. i got to tell someone about this. Because how much greater is God than a restaurant or an Apple Watch or a museum, right? And so when we encounter God, when we experience him for ourselves, then it's like, who can I tell? Who can I share this with? Because we want them to have the same experience we did. And so this is so, so important. you know what's great about an experience? When you share an experience, no one can argue with it. There's an unknown author who said this, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And so when you have an experience with God, no one can argue that. They can argue theology all day. I mean, I don't even get anywhere arguing theology with Christians, much less non-Christians, right? And so when you have an experience with God, when he's made a difference in your life, no one can argue with that. I mean, if you were to say to somebody, hey, I had no peace or joy in my life, and then I experienced God, I put my trust in Jesus, and he's given me such peace and joy now, what are they going to do? Say, no, he hasn't, right? That doesn't work. you've experienced this, it's changed your life. If you were to say, you know what, My my husband and I, my wife and I, man, we were just a mess and we were falling apart and we were headed toward divorce or whatever it might be. But you know what? We started to pray together every day. And it wasn't like these hour long prayers. It was just, no, we made sure that every day we spent time praying and God healed our marriage. No one can argue with that. If you say, you know what? I walked into church one night, I felt so alone. I felt like God didn't know anything about me or where I was in life. I felt like he was clueless as to what was up with me. And then I went up and I got prayer at the end of the night. And the people who prayed for me prayed things and said things that only knew, only God knew I was going through. And he showed up. He showed me he's right there with me in the midst of my struggles. No one can argue with that. If you say, I was really struggling in life as far as my self-view. I I was just, I didn't like myself, I, I always felt ugly, I never felt accepted, I tried to kill myself or I would cut myself, but man, when I understood that Jesus accepts me for who I am, it changed everything. No one can argue with experiences with God. And so when you experience God, you're going to want to tell people about these experiences with God. And when you tell them, there's this incredible thing that happens because no one can deny an experience. so, So today we're going to see how this worked in Jesus' life. And Jesus was like super famous at this point. Jesus was being sought out. People would come in here and preach. He had preached the Sermon on the Mount, and all these people came and just sat and listened to him go on and on. You guys would have been out on me if they're about a half hour, but these people sat and listened to Jesus because, man, Jesus was speaking with power and authority, and so people are going, whoa, what's up with this guy? Something's different about him. He was also famous because he was starting to heal people. I mean, people that were really sick, people that were blind were starting to see, people that couldn't walk were starting to be healed. I mean, amazing things were happening, and so people were seeking Jesus out, and so he's in the middle of a conversation with some of John the Baptist's followers in Matthew chapter 9, and all of a sudden, as he's sitting there talking, I mean, just imagine how awkward this must have been. He's sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, this happens in verse 18. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him. So he's just talking, and all of a sudden, some guy, he doesn't know, just on his knees in front of Jesus like okay and and if you don't know much about the bible or if you're trying to figure out some of this stuff just so you know as I talk through this story Matthew Mark Luke and John all tell similar stories about Jesus and we're in Matthew right now but if you look at Mark and Luke you can find some details in there that we don't have here and so we actually find out who this ruler was his name was Jairus and he was a ruler of a synagogue so this is a super religious guy and all of a sudden he's kneeling at the feet of Jesus why well look at this he says this my daughter has just died but come and put your hand on her and she will live my daughter will live if you just come if you just touch her now the book of Luke tells us that this was his only daughter and she was 12 years old and she just died I know we have a younger crowd at night but I know there's some dads in the room Dads, just imagine your 12 year old baby, right? Just passed away. Imagine the desperation in your heart. I actually visited with a family this Thursday who just found out that their 12 year old daughter has leukemia. And you could see the heart of this family for their little girl. You could see the heart of this dad as he saw his little 12-year-old, laying in this bed, getting ready to have a port put in to get chemo. You see the desperation and the love and the heart. And so here is Jairus in that place, having just lost his daughter. And he's looking to Jesus. But here's what I have to ask you. You ready for this question? Why did Jairus think Jesus could do anything about it? What made him look to Jesus? You know what it must have been? Someone else's experience must have been told to Jairus. Someone else that had encountered God must have shared their story and it got back to Jairus and Jairus said, hey, I don't know anything about this guy, but I hear he can do the impossible. And so he goes and he seeks Jesus out because someone's experience impacted him. And so here's Jairus at the feet of Jesus. Verse 19 says, Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. But as we're going to see here in a minute, as he's going with Jairus, Jesus gets interrupted again. Verse 20 says, just then a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Now the book of Mark tells us that this woman had seen many doctors and she'd spent all her money and yet she still was sick. And she was hopeless, and she didn't know where to turn or what to do. But again, can I just ask you a question? Why did she look to Jesus? Because she had to have heard, there's someone that can change your situation. There's someone that can heal and transform situations. And so someone else's experience probably got back to this woman, and that caused her to look to Jesus for help and hope. There's something about this lady you need to know. Because of her issue with bleeding, the Jews would have seen her as ceremonially unclean, which would have meant she would have basically been ostracized from the community and from any church gatherings. And so she, if this were 2,000 years ago, then the Jews wouldn't have let her in the doors tonight. We said, oh, no, 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 you're unclean. You stay out there. There's a really good chance this woman hasn't been physically touched in years. But she knows that one touch from Jesus could change everything. And so here's this woman at the feet of Jesus, saying, all right, I just have to get to him. I just have to get close to him. And so you have this this little girl whose 12 years of life has just ended, and you have this woman whose 12 years of bleeding won't end, and they both come to Jesus. And look what it says in verse 21. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed from that moment. What she had heard that was someone else's experience has now become her own. Someone else probably told her, hey, go see him. He, he, he teaches and he, he says things no one else says, but he, he's got power to heal and to transform and to change lives and situations. So this woman is healed and what she had heard has now become her experience. And then Jesus continues on with Jairus and it says this in verse 23, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd. He said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. So William Barclay kind of helps us understand what was going on here with the flute players and whatnot. It says this, the garments would be being rent. The wailing women would be uttering their shrieks in an abandonment of synthetic grief. The flutes would be shrilling their eerie sound. In that house, there would be all the pandemonium of Eastern grief. So these people... In, the, in this time, they were just known for going over the top. The flute players were there as a part of the mourning process, and so everyone's just going crazy. It kind of reminded me, if you guys remember, about five weeks ago, Pastor Bravone spoke and he talked about the Italian funerals when he was growing up as a kid, with like everyone freaking out and screaming and crying like crazy and trying to throw themselves on the casket and go down into the ground with them. And the only difference I imagine is that instead of holding flutes, at this Italian. A funeral they were probably holding machine guns you know that's probably what I'm thinking you gotta watch out for those Pavoni mobsters but that's my guess anyway but Jesus Jesus says she's not dead she's just sleeping and then it says this but they laughed at him well why would they laugh at Jesus because they all knew she was dead and guess what so did Jesus and Jesus was kind of saying this tongue-in-cheek because Jesus knows that somebody who's dead may as well just be asleep in his presence because he could do whatever he needs to do to make it so. He's got power over life and death as we're about to see. Verse 25. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. I can only imagine, well maybe Jesus didn't do this. But if I had been there, I probably would have walked out and just smirked at the crowd and said, I told you she was sleeping. I don't know if Jesus did that or not. But, but Jesus walks out and then look at verse 26. It's so powerful. News of this spread through all that region. News of this spread through all that region. Of course it did. You know why? Because when people experience something great, what do they do? They tell people about it. Why did news of a woman being healed of her 12 years of bleeding and a 12-year-old girl being raised back from the dead spread because when people experience something like that, they talk about it. If God healed you or I after 12 years, you know what you do? you tell people about it. If God healed your 12-year-old daughter and raised her back from the dead, you know what you would do? You would tell people about it. Are you seeing the link between experiencing God and reaching people for God. you seeing that when you and I experience and encounter God for ourselves, it gives us this passion to share that with other people. Just like we do with great restaurants and art and jumping out of airplanes, we do the same with our experiences, encounters with God. And that's why this is so important. We're gonna see one more example of this in these next verses here. Verse 27 says this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of God. Of David. So these guys are seeking Jesus out. Why? Somebody must have told them about their experience. And now they're impacted and they're going to him. Verse 28: when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Why would they believe? Why would they have faith that Jesus could do anything about their situation? Because they had heard someone else's experience. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. Does that verse ever bothered you? Right? It's like one of those weird verses. Like, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus tell them not to tell anyone? Doug, I think you misread this because isn't the whole point of your message to tell people about your experiences? What's going on here? Well, there's a couple reasons Jesus probably said this. One, because he knew that the more the word spread about what he was doing, the more quickly the people who were plotting to kill him would act. And Jesus knew he would lay down his life one day, but he also knew it wasn't time. Another reason that Jesus probably told him this is because the more people that heard about what he was doing, the more crowds would come, the more easily distracted he could have been from his main mission. And you know what his main mission was? It wasn't just to heal bodies. It was to heal souls. Jesus came to heal us, Not just physically, and much more importantly, spiritually, to rescue us from our sin. The little physical things he does for us are just meant to point us to his desire to save us eternally. And so Jesus knows, hey, I got to be careful. Let's, Let's keep the lid on this, guys, for now, right? And so the guys, you know, nod their heads and say, sure, yeah, that sounds great, Jesus. But then look at verse 31. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. These guys must have been like the two biggest knuckleheads around, right? Because they're like, yeah, sure, Jesus, we won't tell anybody. I mean, they're looking at Jesus, losing their eyes for like the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, depending on what their blindness was caused from. But here they are staring back at Jesus saying, we won't tell anyone. And then what did they do? They go and tell everyone. And guys, it's kind of understandable, isn't it? I mean, they should have listened to Jesus, yes, yes. But here are two guys that are so excited about what's just happened to them, their experience with him. They can't contain it, even when Jesus, the guy who healed them, told them, don't tell anybody. Just think about that for a second. You and I sometimes, we have a hard time telling people about Jesus, don't we? And Jesus has told us we should tell people about him. But here's two guys, he says, hey, don't tell anybody about this, and they can't keep a lid on it. Well, what's the difference? These guys have had a tremendous experience with God, haven't they? Maybe that's the difference. Maybe that experience with God led them to share their story with people because of what God had done in their life. I mean, if I'm honest, it would also kind of would have been hard for them to keep the lid on this. What are they supposed to do, like pretend to be blind when people who knew them were around again? It's Bob, pretend you can't see. I mean, like, like what were you supposed to do there, right? And so... Here these guys are going, all right, Jesus, Jesus did this. Jesus, we're going to tell everybody we can. Jesus told us not to. Yeah, technically they should have listened, of course. But the excitement they had about what Jesus had done for them caused them to go and share what he'd done, even when he told them not to. And so here's what we see over and over again with these stories. And there's more. But in these specific stories we looked at tonight, these three cases where God showed up and did the impossible, we see people that were driven to Jesus. Why? Because someone else told them about Jesus. And then those people go to Jesus and they experience him and they're amazed. And what do they then do? Go and tell others about Jesus. Do you see this? Do you see how powerful this is? That when we experience God, then we're led to go and reach others for God. That's such, there's such power in that. There's such power in the fact that, man, this healing that you might get or this answered prayer you might get or this peace or this joy or this hope you might get whatever God does for you is not meant to end with you it's meant to go on and bring hope and life to others and so what I really want you guys to see here tonight what I hope all this boils down to for you is that experiencing God inspires us to reach others for God That's one of the reasons experiencing God is so important, because there are other people who need to hear about these experiences with God. There are other people that need to hear what God's done. See, your experiences with God aren't just for you. They're to be told. They're to be shared. They're to impact others. So others will look to Jesus and find incredible hope and healing or peace or joy or whatever it might be that they need. And so how do I want you to respond to this? I want you to continue on praying the same prayer we've been trying to drive, thro- drive home through this whole series. God, please give me up-to-date, fresh experiences with you. If you're somebody who's had a lot of experience with God, but it's been like five years, it's been like two years, it's been six months even, God, can you just give me an up-to-date experience with you? Let me see you at work in a new way that it would fuel my desire to go and reach others for you. Maybe you guys have never experienced God and this whole idea of God showing up to you kind of seems foreign and a little bit weird maybe. I'm telling you, there's nothing like God showing up in your life. And I'm not just talking about getting the goosebumps in a service or something like that. I'm talking about when he answers a prayer and you try to figure out a way that you can explain this that doesn't involve God and you keep coming up short because God did something that only God could do. There's just nothing like it. And if you've recently had an experience with God, I encourage you to keep pursuing God for more and more of him. Some of you guys, as we've been going through this series, may be thinking, Doug, I feel like you're leaving something out. I feel like you're leaving an aspect of this series out that really deals with what does it look like to be a person that experiences with God? Like, how can I set myself up well to see God move a lot in my life? Well, that's what we're gonna spend all next Sunday talking about, how we are that person. What does it look like to be that person that God shows up in their life over and over again? Is there a key, is there a common denominator that we can find in scripture about why that happens for some people? And really, I just wanna be clear, this all goes back to the grace of God. None of this is earn your way to Jesus and to an experience with him. Him giving us encounters with him is purely based on his incredible love and grace. And so I encourage you to look for those up-to-date experiences with God and then share them Whenever you have an opportunity, talk with somebody about the peace or the joy or the hope that he's given. Because no one can argue with an experience. They can argue with you about why God would allow suffering. They can argue with you about this theology or that doctrine or this bad experience they had in church. I, like, There's so much stuff out there. But when you and I say, look, I, I hear you. I understand that. I'm not trying to you know, just shut you up with this. And we can, we can talk about why God allows suffering, and we can talk about the bad church experience you had. I'm not trying to just push you away, but but can I just say this? The reason I know God's good, and the reason I know he's there, and I, the reason I know that the Bible isn't just a bunch of made-up stuff is because I've experienced him in my life for myself. I tell you, when we when we shift the conversation that way, it leads to whole new things. People often ask me what I do, you know, you just meet people on the ball field or whatever, hanging out at the little league or whatever you, whatever you might be doing. And, and so when I tell them I'm a pastor, I get one of two responses. The first response is, you don't look like a pastor. And I'm like, sorry? I, I don't know what to say. Like, thank you, most pastors I know are ugly. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really, sorry Joe, I love you. I, I don't really, you're a handsome man, you're a handsome man. Um, Andrew, you too, bro. Um, thank you. All right, Andrew, you got one fan out there. <laughs> somebody's like, woo! Okay, anyway. And, and you know what, though? When I have those experiences, like, like, actually, like, I go to the hospital and pray for someone, and they ID me. They try to ID me. I'm like, I'm not buying beer. I'm trying to pray for someone. Here, can I just go pray for someone? I pulled up at a funeral yesterday, and I was driving up, and and I heard this lady outside my car. She goes, that's the pastor? And I was like, yo, what the heck is going on around here? So, so, but that that's one. The other, the other extreme I get is this. People go like this. They go, oh, you're a pastor? That's so nice. That's so nice. What a nice pastor, right? And they just, okay, thanks, I'm nice. I'm really not. But, but you know, what's, what's, in, what's incredible to do in those moments is rather than, than try to argue with them about theology or say, yes, yes, uh, and, what, and, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And if you died tonight, where would you go? And all those scary questions that make people run away. Um, instead of doing that, what I try to do is always say something like, yeah, it is so awesome to see God change people's lives. You know, just steer it away from, like, all the theology stuff and all the arguing stuff and all that scary talk and (laughs) just basically bring it back to, you know what, there's nothing like seeing God put a marriage back together. There's nothing like somebody who was thinking about ending their life finding hope in Jesus and living with joy. There's nothing like seeing God answer prayer. And it's just a powerful way to take it kind of out of where I think most people think a pastor or a Christian will go with the conversation and instead bring it back to a living God involved in our lives doing things that we can't do for ourselves. And so will you seek God for a new fresh and up-to-date experiences with him? And then when you get them, will you tell people about what he's done in your life? Can I, can I just have you think about something for a second? I would guess that if you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, probably about 90% of us in the room are here because of someone else's experiences with God. Somebody in your life said, hey, you should come to my church. They didn't end there, though. They said, God's made a huge difference in my life. Or you just saw someone at work, at school, a parent, somebody that you know, a friend, a coach, whatever it might be, someone in your life, and, and they invited you to go to church, and you went, because they had experienced God. Because they were excited about what God had done in their life. Maybe 10% of us in the room like saw a website, said, hey, let me check that out. Or we're driving by, and they just walked in. And those are great. That's really cool. I love those stories. I was talking with somebody this morning that said that. Drive by all the time. I just came in. I love it here. So cool. And that's God at work, too. But I just want to encourage you, because I would guess the majority of us are here today because someone shared the difference God made in their life. And that drew you to want to seek God out for yourself. And so now you and I get to have the experiences with God and we get to then be used by God to draw others to him. If we do this, we'll have the joy of seeing God transform people's lives right in front of us. Neighbors, family members, coworkers, people we love, people we've been praying for for a long time time. And I just want to tell you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the reason we talk about this stuff, because you may be here like, this is kind of weird. They're talking about going out and reaching people for Jesus, and I don't even believe in Jesus, and what's all this all about. I just want to tell you, this is not about a religious or political takeover of the world, because we want to feel safe having the whole world Christian. No, this is about a God who made a huge difference in our life, and we want others that we love and know to have that same joy, hope, peace, answered prayer, whatever it might be that God has done in our lives. And so that's what this is all about. And so will you seek God for those new experiences? And be encouraged. We're in week three of this series. If you've been praying for the last several weeks that God would show up and he hasn't yet, can I just remind you that we gotta let God be God? That he gets to choose how he's gonna show up in our lives and when he gets to show up in our lives. And that's actually a really great thing because sometimes I might be asking God for this and he knows I need this. And I can get real mad at God when he doesn't give me this. Or I could just say, I trust you, God, and he gives me this. And then in the end, I see, wow, thank God for this. And thank God he didn't give me this because this probably would have been a mess or a wreck. Or we're looking for God to show up, and he doesn't show up in our time frame. And then we give up and we miss out on, on the thing he wanted to do in our lives. And so just just you know, continue to seek God, continue to be near him, and let him show up in, in your life and my life exactly at the time he knows is right and in the way he knows is right. If you're not a follower of Jesus, can you imagine God showing himself to you? Can you imagine God doing in you something that you could never deny? That would kind of push away some of your doubts. That would push away maybe some of the anger that you may have toward him or toward Christianity or the church or God or any of those things. Can you just imagine a God who would answer a prayer or show up or give you a joy or a peace or a hope? Imagine how awesome that would be. And that's what God wants to do for you. And as I said earlier, Jesus' mission wasn't just to answer a prayer or heal a body. Because you know what the truth is? We all know this, right? That even if God heals all of our diseases right now, we're all still gonna die one day. And so we don't just need a healthy body on earth. No, we need a savior who can rescue us eternally. And that's what Jesus came to do for you. And the cool thing is, is when you put your trust in him, he begins to work in your life here and now as well. And so if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus today, then I would encourage you to pray with me in in just a minute as I kind of lead you guys in a prayer. You guys are more than welcome to go ahead and do that, no twisting of arms. But man, it's so awesome to see God show up in our lives in a real way. And so I hope you guys as Christians will be inspired this week to seek God for those encounters, those experiences, and then let those things inspire you to reach others for God. Let's pray. God, thank you for the experiences that you've given many of us here in the room. Thank you for the experiences you want to continue to give us, God, the new ones, the ones we haven't had yet. Thank you for your desire, God, to show us over and over and over again how real you are and how close and good you are. And so I just pray, God, that our hearts will be open for that. And I pray for anybody tonight that's discouraged and they just feel like they've been looking to you and they've been praying but they haven't seen it yet. I just pray, God, that you'll allow every single one of us to see you at work in our lives in a completely phenomenal way, an undeniable way, God. So we look to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you bring him whatever needs you have? Would you ask him to heal? Would you ask him to provide? Would you ask him to repair a relationship? Would you ask him to give you peace or joy or or lead you or speak to you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to put your trust in him tonight, then I would encourage you to pray something like this, just between you and God silently. Jesus, please save my soul. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for staying on mission, Jesus, and dying on the cross in my place. And today I put my trust in you. That you died, that you rose back from the dead, and that you're my only hope for salvation. That I can't earn my own way to you, but that you gave yourself freely for me. And now, God, I just pray that you'd make a huge difference in my life. In your name I pray.